0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Well, all right, y'all. Uh, here we go. Back in the Word via the interwebs. Uh, it was good to hear from like two or three of y'all last week, you know. I was like, hey, shoot me a text. Love to hear from you. And I got like two texts. It's cool. It's cool. I get it. It's fine. We're all, we're all busy, you know. But I would love to hear from you. I'm, I'm curious too. Like, sometimes I just wonder who's actually watching these. Like, are there people I don't know? Um, my name's Corey. If if we haven't met, I'd love to, to meet you. I'd love to talk with you. Um, shoot, I feel like I should do an introduction now. Uh, we moved here a few years ago to start a church. Uh, God changed my life when I was 15 um, and told me I'd be a pastor. And, and mean, long story short, here we are. Uh, but, Our purpose, our hope, is to lead people to life in Jesus. Um, I I am personally going through a journey myself of, uh, I think, encountering more of who God is. Um, I don't know if it's just our our Western American, like, we don't need anything. We're very, you know, sufficient on our own culture. Or, I I don't know, I just am convinced and struck that there is so much more to know of God, an encounter of His goodness than I've ever even come close, that, that I literally can't even imagine. And that's what I'm asking for. That's what I want God to do, is just to kind of, like, amaze me, um, as well as our church with who He is. Um, I, I, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm praying for. That's what we're going for. So, anyways, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Um, shoot me a text, give me a call, 817-709-9121. It'd be really funny if I gave you a fake number there. That'd have been awesome. I didn't. That was my real number. i uh, love to hear from you and, and talk to you soon. Okay, let's pray. Uh, ask God to speak to us through His Word, and then we're going to jump into Exodus 34 again. All right. Holy God, um, there's none like you. Uh, you are one. You, you are uh, atop of everything. Whether we believe it or not, like it or not, agree with it or not, it is simply who you are. Um, Let us see you. Let us hear you. Let us taste and see that you are good. Um, God, may we not just know about you with our minds, but may we know you and love you in our hearts and souls. God, speak to us today. In Jesus, we ask Amen. All right, Exodus 34 uh, is where we will, will be. Then we're going to jump to Exodus 3 some. Um, that's the bulk of where we'll be today uh, as we as we dive more into this, this series of knowing God. Uh, if you're interested, I would recommend a book to you. Oh, man, I've got too many stacks of books. Where is that one? There it is. Found it. Found it. Let me, let me... Oh, nuts. I'll just tell you it. Cause there's like a lamp on top of it. It's called knowing God, uh, by J I Packer, uh, old classic, great book on just kind of who God is. I'd recommend that to you. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a dense read, but it's worth it. So, uh, there's a book recommendation for you. Um, do you know what your name means? Like the, the, What's that? What's the I don't know the study of names. Uh, what does your name mean? Most names have a meaning behind it. Historically, people would name their kids, um, give them a name based on what they they kind of hoped for or saw in uh, the child. Sometimes people's names in the Bible would change uh, based on the direction of their lives. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know that we do that so much now. Um, I think we just pick names that we like. Um, based on some of the names out there, there's got to be zero thought put into it. Um, just kind of like a, hey, I was reading this book and boom, that word. Um, I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm like, what was going on there? Uh, like Corey, you know, <laughs> who names their kid Corey? Did you know that uh, Corey, I-, I wrote this down, is an old Norse um, meaning and it's unknown. In its interpretation. The, the name became popular in America in the 60s based on a TV actor, Cory Booker. Um, I've decided that the name Cory means um, warrior athlete of noble character. Now, I, I can't find that historically anywhere, but that's what I think it means, warrior athlete of noble character. Um, but names often have meanings. So David um, meant, means beloved. Uh, Matthew, gift of Yahweh. Uh, Ruth means friend. Jesus means savior. Uh, And so there's a lot of, of, especially in the Bible, right? Especially in the Bible, there's meanings in the names. Uh, The the name would speak of who the person is and the character of the person. Uh, And so as Moses in Exodus 33, right? He's like, God, show me more of your presence. I want to see your glory. I want to see your face, Um, as Moses asks that question to, to get to know this God more that he loves and his followers, it's like a date, right? You go on dates and you learn more about the person you're dating. You're in this relationship and, and hopefully you're learning more about the person. And so Moses is like, God, I'm in this relationship with you. I, I want to know more. Show me more. Tell me more. And, and then in Exodus 34, we get the most quoted verses in the entire Bible. Right, And so in all of the Bible, these verses that God spoke to Moses are re-quoted multiple times in different books of the Bible. And so this is what God says to Moses on their date when they're communing with one another. And, and Moses is getting to know more of who God is. God says in verse 5 of Exodus 34, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. So we, we have this, I mean, just ultimate section in the Bible where, where God reveals his, his name, his character, who he is to Moses. And, and the first thing that God begins with is his name. He says it twice in verse 6, the Lord, the Lord. Now, when you see the word Lord in the Bible, in all caps, it is the Hebrew word Yahweh. So in this case, in verse, in verse 6, and I'm guessing your Bible says the same, um, if it doesn't, then um, hit me up and let's talk about getting you a new Bible. Um, I say that kind of jokingly, but also seriously, because that's some bad interpretation, um, so the Lord, in all caps, is the Hebrew word Yahweh. If you see the word Lord with capital L and then lowercase O R D, you get the word Adonai. You get another, um, you get another characteristic of of who God is, but that's not necessarily his his name, his proper name. This is his proper name. He says Yahweh, Yahweh, and then he goes into describing who he is. So. If God's name is Yahweh, the name that he identifies himself as to Moses is Yahweh, what does God's name Yahweh mean? If there's meaning in names, what does Yahweh mean? The first entrance that we get of God giving this name is Exodus 3 to none other than our boy Moses. So. Let's go to Exodus 3, where God introduces this name to Moses and then to the rest of us. So here's the context, okay? Verse 1 of chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So Moses is a shepherd, and he's working for his father-in-law, Jethro, and he's got his flock on the mountain Horeb. So now, how did Moses get here? We back up, and if you want to read Exodus 1 and 2, you can get this real, real easy. Um, Moses, we talked about, was born into, he was born an Israelites into a time when, first born, when the sons of Israel were supposed to be drowned in the river. Well, Moses' mom Fears God more than man. Remember that point, right? It's more important to fear God than to fear man. And so Moses' mom is like, I can't kill my baby. Like, I can't murder. So she puts Moses in a basket into the river and Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and brings him home to raise him um, as her own. So Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. He's got everything he wants, right? But then he chooses what he believes to be better. He chooses to suffer the reproach of Christ rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, he, he believed that being a man of God was of greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. He believed that it was more valuable and beneficial to suffer as a man of God than to enjoy being a man of the world. That's how great God was. And so he he chose God. Um, he chose God in, the, in not the best way by, by murdering an Egyptian who was abusing a fellow Israelite. Uh, so yes, our boy Moses has murder in his history. A lot of times we're like, dude, my past is too, is too dark. Um, the, the past of most of the major characters in the Bible is shady and dark, right? And so if God's like, hey, I can redeem and use them, how arrogant would it be for us to be like, no, nah, God can't redeem and use me. No, 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 no. God can and he wants to. It's only our pride, unwilling to confess and lay it down, that holds us back from receiving the full redemption of God. Just file that away, okay? Um, no, 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 sorry. Don't just file that away. Let's do something with that, right? If you're holding back because you're like, I what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to handle this? Uh, you're not supposed to handle it. God's supposed to handle it. God will handle it. We confess and repent, and God takes our junk, and he puts it on Jesus, and Jesus forgives it, and we're, we're washed clean, and we're made right, and we're given redemption by God. If, if Moses can have that, you and I can have that. Come on. Okay? So... Um, let's not hold on to our stuff anymore. Let's not be so arrogant to think like, oh man, God God can't handle this. No, no, God can and he wants to and he's already paid the price. Let's humbly lay our junk down so that we can be set free and made new, okay? Cool, sweet. That was just for free. Okay, so so anyways, Moses kills old dude, runs away because he's gonna be charged for murder now and and upon doing so, he, he stumbles upon this lady, Zipporah, and he's like, say what's up, girl? And she's like, hey, come meet my father. And so he goes and meets his fa- her father, Jethro. And Jethro's like, yeah, you can marry my daughter. And so Moses marries Zipporah, and that becomes his family. Now he's working for Jethro on the side of the mountain. He's been there for about 40 years. As he's, as he's shepherding the, the, the flock, he notices a bush on fire, but the bush is not burning up. So a bush on fire, I mean, okay, yeah, they probably see that all the time, right? Like, no big deal. What is a big deal is that the bush isn't burning up. The bush is staying just as is, but yet it's on fire. And so Moses is like, time out. I'm gonna go check this out because this is strange, right? And so he goes and he checks out this bush on fire that is not burning up. And as he gets closer, the Lord, who is present in the fire, speaks to Moses. And the Lord says in verse four, Moses, Moses, and Moses replied, here I am. Then he said, the Lord said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses, so God gets his attention by by setting this bush on fire, but not actually having to burn the bush. And, and Moses comes near, and God's like, "Gotcha!" and and says, "Hey, dude, look at me. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground." So now I'm reading this, and I ask myself, Corey, what makes that part of the mountain holy? right? Like what makes it so unique, so set apart, so different? Um, surely Moses has walked over that many times, right? Like surely goats have walked over it. Surely there's dirt and grass and rocks and, and I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? So why is now that ground holy? Now we're going to talk about this in just a minute, right? It's, it's point number two that we're getting to. Um, but what makes the ground holy is not Anything spectacular about that ground? What makes the ground holy is the presence of the holy God. God makes something holy. Where the Lord is, is holy. Where His presence is, is holy. God makes it holy. That's what makes anywhere we meet with God holy ground because the presence of God. And so God starts saying, hey, I'm the God of your fathers. And then He says... Listen, I've heard the cries of Israel, and I'm going to step in and rescue them. But here's the deal, Moses. This is God talking to Moses. Here's the deal, Moses. I want you to go back to the the land where you are a fugitive, and I want you to walk up to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, let God's people go. And Moses is like, Tio, time out, God. What? What? Like immediately, this fear and insecurity starts coming in, which I get, right? Like, you're a fugitive for A. Uh, in chapter four, you see him be like, But I can't speak well. I got a stutter. And, and, and God's like, I know I made your mouth. Um, you know, and so you got like all these things where just this insecurity is flooding Moses. Now, granted, I would be insecure and afraid too, right? If God's like, Hey, I want you to go to the most powerful person on the planet and tell him, Hey, your million people of slaves, set them free just send them loose, right? Like, come on, you kidding me? I would be freaking out. Like I would be nervous to go, I don't know, go talk, meet the mayor or something, right? He's going to to, to go toe to toe with the most powerful person on the planet. And and so he's like, okay, well, well, if I go, well, what do I say? Who do I say sent me, right? If I'm like, hey, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, Who's God? You know, Or if I go talk to the Israelites and I'm like, hey, round up your stuff. We're fixing a bail. And they're like, who sent you? Moses says, who do I say sent me? Under whose authority am I coming to speak? Right? Like, who's backing this bold claim? And this is where God introduces his name. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. So, Moses, God repeats himself to Moses. And he says, Okay, you want to know who sent you? I am who I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Tell them the Lord, Yahweh, sent you. So the Lord, Yahweh, means I am who I am. The, the, the Lord, Yahweh, that name, that holy name means I, I am. Like, I, I just I just am. I am who I am. People are asking, I am. That's it. Period. End of story, right? What about the I am? Like, it just shuts everything down. God says, I am. Am who I am. So the, the name Yahweh is, is an abbreviated version of I am who I am. And so when we see that as the name Yahweh, we can learn a few things about who God is and his character. We can learn that God is eternal. That God is eternal. He always has been, always will be. There's no one before him. There was no one who was like, oh, I am this person's. I am you know, belonging to this one. I am created by. God's like, no, no, I just am who I am. So if we ask God, like, hey, were you there in the beginning? He's like, I, I, I am. Are you there in the end? I am. Are you here now? I am. Are you involved in my life? I am. Like, that's God's answer to all of it. Right? So, so before the world began, God, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Mm-hmm, I am. To the very end, God, are you still there? Yep, I am. So we see that God is eternal. He always has been. So Moses, who's afraid and insecure, right, and is going to talk to Pharaoh, God's like, hey, that dude's got a birth date, man. Like he's got a beginning. I, I am the one who created him, I am the one who was there before him. I'm the one who was there before his daddy was there. I am the one who was there before his daddy's daddy was there. I'm the one who will be here after him. So so Moses is going to talk to a finite person that's got a birth date and a one-day death date. And God's like, I'm not that person. I'm before and I'm after and I'm everything. So, So God's telling him how great he is, that he's eternal, that he's above and beyond, that he's always existed and always will be. That means for us, you and me, today, on July, I think it's the 10th of 2020, in the middle of this pandemic, that that the God who sent Moses to Pharaoh, that he's looking at us and he's saying, I- I'm still the same God. I am still him. That he will always be this same God who set the Israelites free. Yahweh. That's the same God today. He's eternal. And he's going to be here tomorrow, and he's going to be there the next day. And his, his character is eternal. It's existing. The second thing we see is that he's self-existing. No one created God, nor does he need anyone or anything else to exist. He's like, I, I'm, I am enough on my own. I am good enough. I am big enough. I am lovely enough. I think a lot of times... We, we look at the Bible or we ask, like, why are people here? Did God create mankind because he needs us? And I've heard that said so many times, right? Like, God needed you and me. And I'm like, no, 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 God doesn't need anything. If God needs anything, he's no longer God. Like, he's now dependent on us, but he's self-existing. He doesn't actually need Moses to step in here. I am able to do this on my own. I am large enough to do this on my own. And what we'll actually see is it's really God that does all the work, right? He just uses Moses as a mouthpiece to to write his story through broken, unable, insufficient people. But God is self-existing on his own. He doesn't need anything. And that is good news for you and for me. It's good news that he's eternal, that he was there in the beginning, he's going to be there in the end. It's good news that he's self-existing and doesn't need us. Because if he needed us, the pressure's on our shoulders. If God needs us, he, he's now at our level. And matter of fact, we're probably above him. Because he needs us. The reality is we need him. He doesn't need anything. He's sufficient. That means he's able to just give. And we're able to just receive. To receive and to give back to him, not because he needs it, but simply because we want to. It's great news that God doesn't need us. He's self-existing. He's good. He just wants to give to us so that we can enjoy him and love him. We also see that God is unchanging. I am who I am. Like, this is just who I am. He's not going to change along the way. He's the same then as he is today, as he will be in the future. He's not a new God, a different God. He didn't change who he was, you know, over here in Psalms and then Matthew and then Ephesians, like, right? He's the same God from beginning to end, unchanging in character and in truth and integrity and in personality. And this is great news for us because times change and cultures change and values change and what's right or wrong seems to change. And so if God is changing, it's like, who is he now? What do I go with? Which way do I go? Am I now still right or am I wrong? Like, well, I don't know where to go because God's changing, but God's not changing. He's the same. And so we can anchor into who he is and know that he will stay the same and that we can be secure in that and safe in that, that He's unchanging. So, this is just—I mean, this is this is His name. I am who I am, Yahweh, and and that means that He is eternal and self-existing and unchanging. And and this means that that when Moses is freaking out and he's like, "How am I supposed to do this, God? I can't speak well. I'm, I'm I'm afraid. I don't know these people." God's like, "You're not going to. I am." I I am the one. This is true for us today. We encounter God in in a burning bush, in something that intrigues us, and something that opens our eyes to Him and to to believe in Him. And and then we start to feel insufficient and afraid and and, and unworthy. And and God responds and He says, I am. We say, God, I'm I'm not good enough. And God says, "I, I am good enough. We say, God, I, I don't know the way to go. And he says, I am the way. We say, God, I, I've messed up. And God says, I'm perfect. And God, I'm insufficient for the job. And God says, I'm sufficient. We say, God, I'm, I'm too weak. And God says, I'm strong. We say, God, I, I, I'm unsure. And God says, I'm sure. We say, God, he is I am. Everything we need, everything we look for, That's who he is. I am who I am. We can rest in him. We can trust him. We can lean into him. But also remember the word holy I emphasized. When Moses approached this bush, um, God said, hey, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. And what made the ground holy was not the ground itself, was not anything other than God's presence. God's presence is what is holy. Uh, Let's go back to Exodus 34. And actually, we're going to travel up just a few verses to Exodus 33, 17 to 23, where Moses makes his request to see God's glory. Moses said, let's go to verse 18. Please show me your glory. And, And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim before you my name yahweh the lord and i will be gracious to whom i will be gracious and will show mercy on whom i will show mercy but he said you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live and the lord said behold there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by i'll put you in a cleft of the rock kind of an almost a semi-cave in the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So God, Moses says, God, show me your glory. Let me know more of who you are. And God says, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let all of my goodness pass before you. All of my my character and and, and glory is gonna, it's gonna pass before you. But I've got to do it in a certain way because if you saw it all, it would kill you. My goodness is so good, it would kill you. That's, that's an, it's a funny thing to think of, right? Like God's like, my goodness is so good, it's going to kill you. So what's, okay, what's, what's going on here? What's happening here? And remember, verse chapter 3, the presence of God is holy. That's what made that ground holy. So this ground here, it's holy. And God's presence, His goodness is holy. Yahweh, the I am, is holy. That's just, it's just what it means to be I am who I am. And to be God is to be holy. And, and so what does that mean? Well, the word holy, it's not, it's not something that we use. And when we do, it's usually like holy buckets or holy smokes or whatever, right? Like we don't use it, um, as, it as it means. The word holy means completely separate, um, cut off. It, it means a, a cut above something, right? So if you take all this crowd of people and then there's one that is a cut above, that is better than all the rest, that is different, that is unique, that is just, you know, rises above the crop, right? Like that, that is holy. It is set apart. It is unique. And it is unmatched in goodness. So when the Bible says the Lord is holy, it means that there is no one, no thing like him. He rises above all else. He is a cut above all else in goodness and in character and in majesty and in everything we can think of. God is holy. He is morally better. He is truthfully better. He is more pure than anything else. He is holy and set apart and different. He's unlike you and me. And so why then will will Moses die if he sees all of God's glory, all of his holiness? God is so holy, so set apart, so unique, so pure, and, and we as people are so not holy that if the two came together face to face, God's holiness would simply undo the unholy. Would simply break through like light shining into the darkness. The darkness has no chance. The darkness, you're not going to turn a flashlight on in a dark room and the dark go, ah, you know, I think I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and put, you know, squash out the light. No, no. The light is going to cut through the darkness and undo the darkness, just split it open. And so when the holy comes and meets the unholy, it's going to undo the unholy. Imagine that there was a, a spaceship created that, that we could hop in and it could fly us to the sun. And you could look at the sun right up next to it and somehow this machine would was strong enough and wouldn't burn up and the windows were tinted enough, whatever. But then you were like, I got an idea. I'm going to open the door and step outside. Like you step outside in front of the sun, like you're done. The, the sun is so bright and so pure and so powerful and so glorious. It would undo our physical bodies in an instant, right? Like I walk outside for too long, I'm gonna get sunburned. My body's almost undone by the sun. Now, if we're right there next to it and we see it in its fullness, we're done. Now imagine the one who created the sun and holds it in, in, in his hands, right? Imagine the one who's greater than the sun, who spoke it into existence, and now we're going to open the door and stand in his presence. No, no. His holiness will undo us. Undo us. In in First Samuel, that's where I'm, I, I'm right now in my reading plan, my Bible reading plan. Which, by the way, this is the furthest I've ever gone in a Bible reading plan. I just get too distracted, but still, still in it. And and Israel asked the question of the million, the million dollar question. They're you know after God um, has you know they've suffered consequences because of their sin against God. They're like who. Who can stand in the presence of the Lord, the holy God? Like, that is the million dollar question. Who can actually stand in the presence of the Lord, Yahweh, and survive? Moses can't. God's like, it's not going to go well, dude, because he's holy. He's so righteous. You and I, we can't stand in his presence and survive. Man, and we saw his glory and his holiness. So, how does Moses then, how does he make it to verse 34, 35, I mean chapter 34? How how does he continue on? How how do we, how can we talk about being in God's presence? God made a way for Moses to, to stay. God says, I will hide you in the rock. The rock will protect you. And then as my glory passes by, I will cover you with my hand and I'll remove my hand so that you can only see the back side of me. So you won't, you won't see all of my glory. You won't be fully in my presence. Even then, Moses goes down the mountain. His face is all glowing and the people are freaking out, right? Because he, he saw even that. God made a way, though, for Moses to remain, to, to be present. Not, not fully. That day will come, just like it will come for us but to be nonetheless in his presence today, to to have more of God and more of God. And that's the same thing that God does for us. Right? For us to remain in his presence, for us to, to, to not be obliterated by his holiness. The answer is not for God to be less holy. For God to capitulate to us and say, like, oh man, like, y'all are too weak. Let me, let me put away some of my holiness so that I can be less holy and, and be around you. No, no, that's not the answer. The answer is for us to be made holy, for us to be made holier so that we can be more in the presence of the holy. Well, so, okay. So what does that mean? How do you and I be holy then? So we can be in the presence of Yahweh, the Holy One. What, what do we need to do? Right? Do we need to wake up earlier and pray more and read our Bibles more? And do we need to stop doing this and stop doing that? And do we need to start doing this. Like what's the rules? What's the, how do we do this? And, and, and just toss all the rules out the window. Right? Just just get rid of all of them. Because even if God showed up today, and he wrote out this list of rules, do's and don'ts, and you nailed every morning, that's what you did. You woke up and you read the rules and you were just like right and you're like, we're never going to be holy enough for God. Ever. Like we can't because we've already sinned, we're already guilty, we're already tarnished, we're already blemished, we're already unholy. So how in the world do we then The unholy remain in the presence of the holy. Jesus. God the holy made himself man. Jesus. And he lived a perfectly holy life. So he could remain in the presence of God because he was holy, because he was God. And so he was able as a man to be in the presence of God because he was never unholy. He was perfectly holy. Well, that doesn't actually account like, okay, great. Now what? So then Jesus goes to the cross and on the cross, he takes on our unholiness so he, he offers to suffer and die for the punishment of our unholiness, our sinfulness, our, you know, worldliness. It's put on his shoulders and he suffers and dies in our place. Okay, so that's a way that, you know, Jesus is holy. He dies for our unholiness, but, but it, the pieces aren't still all there together yet, right? Jesus rises from the dead. He's alive today. If Jesus is still dead, game over. Don't even worry about this, right? Let's move on. Let's go find something else to do. But Jesus is alive, and so we have to account for that. Why did Jesus, why did he rise from the dead? Why? So that he could make the transaction, and he could justify us. He could make us holy so here's what happens right here's what happens jesus rises in the dead he's alive today and he gives us the invitation and he says hey if you will trust me if you will put your faith in me if you'll surrender to me here's what will happen jesus the living king god man today says here's what i'm going to do i'm going to take your unholiness and forgive it by my act on the cross my death on the cross will forgive your unholiness. But here's also what I'm going to do. This is Jesus talking to us. He says, I'm going to take my record of holiness and I'm going to apply that to your life. I'm going to apply that to your life so that in the presence of God, you are now holy because of my holiness. You see that? Jesus the holy, he is a rock that we hide in. He he is the way that we get to remain in God's presence because He removes our unholiness on the cross and He gives us His holiness of His perfect life. And because He is alive, He is God and He's able to do that. No one else can do that because no one else has conquered death. So He offers that. He stands alive today to make you and I that offer. We, the unholy, can be made holy Because the holy made himself unholy on our behalf. Let me say that again. We, the unholy, can be made holy because the holy one made himself unholy in our place. That's how we remain in his presence, by faith in Jesus. Here's how I want to end it. Verse eight, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Our humility and our worship is a great indicator of whether we get this or not, of how much we see of God's holiness and his grace through Jesus or not. We see Moses, he, he sees God's glory and he can't help but bow and worship. Isaiah catches a glimpse of God's glory, and he can't help but bow in humility and worship. We see the wise men in Matthew who come and find baby Jesus. They're not even raised in the ways of God, and they find baby Jesus, and they bow on their face in worship to Jesus, the one who hasn't even done anything yet. He's just a baby. But they know, and their souls, they know. We see Paul who encounters the glory of God and surrenders his life right. So we just see it throughout the Bible that the more we see of God and his holiness and his glory and the more we recognize that we are not, but Jesus in love makes us holy so that we can be in God's presence, that will move us to worship. That will move us to bow our heads in worship. That will move us to feel in worship. That will move us to passion in worship. Our worship, our humility before God, our, our bowing before Him and surrendering our lives, that is the greatest evidence of how much we actually see God's holiness and His grace to save us. So here's, the, here's what I know. You, you and I, we both know right now. Like we know in our souls whether our lives worship God as holy or not, whether we see him as big and great and majestic and eternal and unchanging and self-existent and if we're in awe of that or or, or not. We, we just, we know. And there's not anything I can do or you can muster up. Like it's just, that is a work of the Spirit in us. But I think we also know that we want more of it. I really think we know that. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to end with a time of prayer where we ask God to show us his glory, to show us more of himself. And if we're in Christ, if we've trusted Jesus, then we don't have anything to fear. We just get to receive his glory and his holiness. And that may call us to repent. That may call us to to put away sin, but we don't have to fear that. That's receiving more of his presence. If you haven't trusted Christ, though, that may move us to fear. You may find yourself afraid today, unsure if you are, can remain in his presence, unsure of if the holiness of Christ has been given to you, unsure of that. And, and that's going to move you to fear. But that fear should be a trigger, a bell, a sound in us that, okay, something's off. And here's the invitation that God is telling you today as you listen to this. You don't have to live in fear. You can surrender in faith to Jesus and trust that by his death and resurrection, he will give you the holiness of his life. And you can be in the presence of God today and forever. So, no matter where you are today, I think there's a prayer for us to pray. that show us your glory. And that's going to be, it's going to move us to worship. That's going to move us to respond in faith for the first time and to be made new, to be made a Christian. That's going to move us to worship and to respond in faith in laying down sin or in just lifting God up or, or dedicating our lives to Him. It's going to move us. So that's what we're going to pray for. So I'm going to invite you with me. Just close your eyes. Would you just open your hands out like this? The good news is you're, you're most likely just in your home, and so it's okay. Take a breath. Turn your mind, turn your attention, your, your energy, your soul to God. To knowing that He's there. And would you just ask, God, show us, show me your glory. Show me who you are. Show me who I am. Show me how Jesus saves and transforms me. Ask God to show you himself. God you are loving and patient here in our rooms in our homes in the car wherever we are you are present show us your glory that we would love you enjoy you and worship you give us the courage to lay our lives down and to be lifted up by you. In Jesus we ask this. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.